Alright, yeah, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. This, I can do the intro. You want me to say, what is it? Uh, this. Are we recording? Uh, yes. All right, wait, hold on. Hold on. All right. All right, you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> This week on Grubstakers, we're talking about Jack Ma, the richest communist in world history. Hear all about the Jeff Bezos of having a fucked up E.T. face and all the other things that he is involved in in the uh, surveillance dystopia that is modern China. All that and more coming up on Grubstakers. He's probably one of the smartest human beings on the planet Earth. That guy's, you know, that they think he might have invented Bitcoin. You know, I went to a tough school in Queens that used to beat up the little Jewish boys. All right, okay. Paranoid. Suck it to me. I love having the support of real billionaires. Yeah, we'll take that out in post. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grubstakers. I am Andy Palmer, and with you, as always, are my friends. Steve Jeffers. Uh, Sean P. McCarthy. And today, we are talking about Jack Ma, um, the richest man in China. Because you here at Grubstakers, you know, you might have gotten the vibe that we're kind of a little to the left politically. Um, but not as far to the left as our subject today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we wanted, uh, you know, some people might call us communists, and so we wanted to uh, see what the true communists are up to uh, over in the most successful communist state to date, the uh, People's Republic of China. Jack Ma is the first man to combine the immortal science of Marxist-Leninist Maoism with the immortal science of being a Silicon Valley disruptor. <laughs> Fusing these two ideologies and perfecting Marxism in a way that that we couldn't understand But we simply criticize because as anarchists we cannot build communism We can only throw stones at those true communists who who do yeah, and so and so we have decided to um, Maybe take a second to study what worked mm -hmm. um, just like Mao's successors uh, who saw that the Great Leap Forward maybe didn't have all the promise that They'd assumed. Um, so, uh, unless unless you really hate sparrows, in which case it was <laughs> a wild success. If you hate mice and sparrows, I think the Great Leap Forward was a was a wild success. What was what is what is this reference? The the four pests campaign where uh, Mao had people um, essentially like anytime they saw sparrows, they would like bang drums and chase them into the air. And the idea was the sparrows would, you know, eat the crops or whatever. Uh -huh. But what they didn't think about was the sparrows also ate like uh, pests and bugs that ate the crops. So, of course, this like made the famine worse because <laughs> these sparrows, like Chinese peasants, would like bang the drums and chase them into the air. And the sparrows would get so exhausted because they couldn't land anywhere that they would just die. And so they actually did kill a lot of sparrows. So that's just a lesson to people who go around banging banging pans to get Jack Ma to go away. <laughs> um, you might not realize what well that innovation that you're also scaring away. Mm -hmm. They disrupted sparrows. <laughs> <laughs> China's first disruption. Mm. Um, so I guess we should uh, 
we'll launch into the background of this uh, fine fella, uh, Jack Ma, which mm. was not his original, uh, his birth name. His birth name was uh, Ma Yoon mm. uh, or Jack Ma Yoon. You mean his cultural revolution parents didn't name him Jack? They did not. Well, his parents uh, weren't necessarily cultural revolution. He was so he was born in uh, 1964 in Hangzhou, uh, and he was n- the son not of uh, devoted communists, um, but of nationalists. Hmm. And so, uh, as a child, he got he got bullied a bit because because uh, his family was fans of uh, Chiang Kai Shek, and uh, they didn't they didn't win. His family his family bet on the losers. Uh, so. He had a bit of a rough childhood um, growing up, but uh, one thing that changed it. Fortunately, that prevented him from becoming a capitalist rotor. <laughs> <laughs> they bullied him into uh, obedience to the Communist Party. Yeah, he, the, he understood the, the importance. Of the immortal science of Marxism-Leninism-Maoism. <laughs> and so, um, you know, just, uh, just as things started to get uh, especially bad... Uh, a little uh, friend of China from uh, the great imperial Satan came over to visit uh, a man by the name of Richard Nixon. Uh, Sean, I'm going to need you to uh, to get on the socket. There we go. Uh, came by and opened up the gates to China and opened it up to tourism. And so um, Jack Ma uh, learned English mm-hmm. uh, basically from people coming into uh, the Hangzhou uh, International Hotel and he would essentially make himself a self-appointed greeter when he was like 14 mm. and greet people. Oh, we should probably, I should say skipped over what he actually did. So Jack Ma, um, he's the creator of Alibaba, which is essentially um, a website that is a combination of eBay, PayPal, and Amazon um, all in one in mm-hmm. China. It is uh, Ali. The Alibaba Group is one of the uh, tenth largest companies in the world, or in the top ten. Um, yeah, I would say basically take like the uh, surveillance that we talked about that Google has and that Amazon has. Take that surveillance capitalism, and then add the possibility that you will be uh, interned in a forced labor camp where you are forced to make SpongeBob SquarePants exports uh, <laughs> for the next decade. Yeah, and all, that's basically Alibaba. All yeah, all of the sort of the scary line type narrative on like the criticisms of google mm-hmm. um alibaba is way past that yes inter- internally to china anyway mm-hmm. that's also a bit of baidu and we're gonna i think one a future episode we'll look into whoever did baidu mm-hmm. which i think is more of their social media google thing mm-hmm. um but uh alibaba does have uh, its own uh credit rating agency that <laughs> is uh we I, we mentioned it obliquely in one of the last few episodes but it's uh a very interesting approach to uh, that's that's their writing. that's their Green New Deal is they keep uh, millions of people from flying. <laughs> <laughs> Obama did literally praise it for uh, helping combat global warming. Well, the what the social credit system? Yeah, <laughs> he actually said. <laughs> yeah, it's because it that's also tracks people's carbon footprints. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but so and he it, praised the one child policy for that too. Yeah. <laughs> They should bring it back, but and, and, yeah. and it really fertilizes the rivers with all those uh, female babies. <laughs> but uh, and then for those who don't know, Alibaba is the largest uh, privately held company in China. Jack Ma is the richest man in China. Forbes puts him at as of March 2019, he's worth about 39.4 billion U.S. dollars. And Alibaba, just to 
to give some background, they have a market cap of about $475 billion. Mm-hmm. And last year they took in about $22 billion in profits. Hmm. Oh, and uh, for reference, uh, Yogi isn't here today. He is in Alaska because I guess he thought winter in New York was just too fucking toasty. <laughs> so he decided to take a vacation to Alaska. <laughs> Yeah, Yogi isn't here today. He told us he had to go to the India-Pakistan border for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) We're not really sure what he's up to. Yeah, but he's been taking a lot of flying lessons, so I'm sure (laughs) there's something interesting. Reliance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Jack Ma, he's the head of uh, not only the biggest privately owned company in China, but also one of the biggest... Just like any communist would be. Just like any proud communist. Um... Oh, what if it's like a, uh, he's like a deep cover Chiang Kai-shek coup. Like, he's a Taiwanese spy. Okay. Um, We're kidding. We only recognize one China Grubstakers. Look, uh, be sure to tweet at the Grubstakers account about how Vladimir Lenin and Karl Marx were both rich. And so that (laughs) makes Jack Ma a good communist, too. (laughs) I don't think Jack Ma has, like, a poor friend who's always emailing him about his new theoretical papers and also to ask for money. <laughs> so, um, so Jack Ma, he, he's the top of the, uh, he created the largest, not only the largest company, but largest tech company. And he knows nothing about coding um, or sales, even though it's, uh, it's a sales website. And the, uh, he, he's really, a testament to the power of networking. So like going back to his, his personal story. Wait, so one thing on that. Yeah. It just occurred to me, like like Andy was saying, he's never uh, written a line of code and he's never made one sale to a customer and yet he's a billionaire. And it's like, I just remember this comedian in Seattle who was like talking to us in the green room once and he was like, you see, like I'm an ideas man and I need an execution <laughs> man. And then that's how I'm going to get rich and famous. Because you see like Steve Jobs, he's an ideas man. And then Steve Wozniak is the execution man. So you just need an, e- so when an ideas man and an execution man come together, they're unstoppable. What are the initials of that comedian? <laughs> I can't even remember. Oh, <laughs> I thought but it he was, was very, very passionate about this. <laughs> But uh, Jack Ma is one of the richest ideas man. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's he's got idea. He's got idea. Oh, was it Eddie? Okay, no, it um, wasn't Eddie. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. he, the the idea didn't just spring from nowhere, though. No, yeah. no. It. Um, yeah, he took some trips. He took some trips to the U.S. to the United States. Um, and actually, Jack Ma, he his family was involved in like local uh, entertainment in Hangzhou, hmm. and he is credited. It, as being one of the funniest uh, CEOs in China because uh, his family was involved in what was the equivalent of the comedy community and hangs out. So he's got some sharp one-liners. Uh, for instance, uh, today is terrible. Tomorrow will be terrible too. But the next day will be beautiful. Hmm. Except most people will die tomorrow night. Um, it's interesting. Like, And that's... that's uh, do we have a, a laughter and applause drop? All right. Okay. Okay. Good. Nice. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I was just saying it's interesting, like entertainment in, in that uh, period up until the death of Mao was basically like in the cultural revolution, like all entertainment that could even be like remotely considered critical of the government was uh, violently purged. So the only entertainment that le- that was left up until at least Mao's death and then uh, when his wife was thrown out of power was 
very obsequious or just completely apolitical or supporting of the government. Yeah, his family uh, had it had it pretty rough. Again, because of their nationalist sympathies, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the culture in his um, in Hangzhou, uh, a lot of the cultural signifiers were destroyed. There were some statues that the Red Army destroyed. Um, so then after uh, after the gates were opened to America... It was first, fuck sparrows. Second, fuck ancient architecture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mao would like just demolish like all sorts... Because he wanted to make China a modern country. So he like mm-hmm. demolished all sorts of ancient buildings and, and uh, artifacts and these sorts of things. And you know, then you know what else he demolished? Hmm. Gender. Mao <laughs> <laughs> was a feminist. Well, Jack Ma actually got the inspiration for Alibaba, like an export market, when uh, Mao exported all of the food out of China into the Soviet <laughs> Union in Eastern Germany. And Jack Ma thought, what if we put that on a website? <laughs> so um, let's get the middle class in on this. <laughs> and so uh, eventually he went to university. Uh, he was not very good at math, and so he just memorized all the problems so that he could pass uh, math entrance exams. Mm. Uh and then he studied English at university and left uh, to become an English teacher um, at a technical university. And at the age of 30, uh, as basically the doors were opening up to China, essentially after, after Mao died, um, there was kind of the neoliberalization where uh, the country of China realized that being kind of a, um, a closed state both wouldn't, um, would make it difficult for them to upgrade their technology mm-hmm. and it would also uh, make it difficult for them to uh, basically project power in the region. They needed the most modern sparrow killing technology yeah. available. <laughs> so, But yeah, Deng Xiaoping comes to power in 1978 and then that's kind of the uh, the capitalist turn within China. Yeah, and that's, that's when they have their uh, neoliberal revolution essentially where uh, markets get opened, um, suddenly people are able to actually start companies, which was basically illegal under Mao. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of start opening up that aspect of China. And so uh, Jack Ma realized at the age of, uh, he decided at the age of 30 that he had to open, he had to start his own company. And so he started an English translation company called Hope. Mm. Uh, and that basically tanked. Um, he later sold the rights to Obama's presidential campaign. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, in, in like 2013, Obama interviewed him mm. as a sitting president. No, 2015. A sitting president interviewed a CEO. Well, it, is, it is interesting. I guess we'll get into it. But just something I ran into was how much Jack Ma fits the Western ideology of what we want China to be and become. And that's part of why he's been so heavily promoted in Western media, Mm -hmm. which in turn leads to him being promoted in Chinese media because, you know, he's uh, an example of uh, China entering the 21st century or whatever. Right, right. And competing with America and actually beating it in the case of eBay. He's a huge capitalist ideologue and Mm -hmm. he'll go on panels. You'll see if you type in... you like YouTube Jack Ma panel or interview or something, you'll see a few where he's on the stage with like Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> As like vis- uh, visionary Silicon Valley adjacent people. And he would have $5 billion more dollars had he not met Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> yeah, um. I was just thinking like between the two of them, which do you think is more overvalued? <laughs> God. <laughs> well, I'll ask you this. Can you buy uh, uranium from Theranos? You can probably buy blood on, on Alibaba. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh easy. Yeah. You could buy a blood test. Yeah. You could you could buy a person full of blood on Alibaba, <laughs> specifically for the person of removing the blood. I'm just imagining like trying to buy like a Soviet nuclear weapon on Alibaba and then getting some counterfeit bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Ukrainian this is, motherfuckers. This, is, this isn't even enriched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but F so after hope. Mm-hmm. After hope. So okay, so he has he has uh a little bit of success with hope. And he eventually, he meets with a um, business partner mm-hmm. who asks him to come out to meet him in California. Um, it's basically like an American uh, tech entrepreneur who he has not said the name of in interviews since. And he's kind of cagey about the details of this. But apparently he went out to California mm-hmm. to meet up um, with this entrepreneur and the guy essentially locked him in a beach house and wouldn't let him go Hmm. and eventually moved him to a Vegas hotel where he kind of locked him in a hotel room there. Eventually Jack Ma claims that he escaped won $600 at the slot machines and used that money to run off to Seattle. Seems plausible, but Uh, I do, I do like that. I did not know that Jack Ma had been trafficked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It, well, the details of the story have kind of uh, moved around a bit, and he claims that he doesn't like to talk about it because he'd rather f- sooner forget it. But yeah. Well, yeah, Damn. there's like a documentary made by a former Alibaba employee. It's on YouTube called Crocodile in the Yangtze, the river. But but basically, so the story that's told there is that Jack Ma flies out to California to meet this guy, and then he just says, but he finds out it's a scam. So he goes to stay with a friend in Seattle, and then there's no other elaboration there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the... the the that's that's the less good story i mean i guess it's the same story uh but less being locked in las vegas so yeah he goes out to seattle he's made to see hundreds of businessmen dressed as sparrows (laughs) so like i thought i thought we destroyed this And uh, <laughs> put up. He learned about the internet when his host uh, put up an ad for him on Backpage.com. <laughs> <laughs> Had hundreds of businessmen coming through his hotel room. He he was um, saved when an interloper at the party he was at was asked the password, <laughs> re- not realizing that there was no password. <laughs> I should have known when the password was Sparrow. <laughs> it was an ill omen. <laughs> And during the hollow blue, he snuck out the back. Um, so in Seattle, he sees the internet. Uh, some some friend is like, "Hey, look, it's the internet," and he's like, "Oh, cool." And so he types in. You've made a <laughs> www dot what the fuck dot. <laughs> so so he types in <laughs> www dot what the fuck dot com. And he uh, he finds out that there's uh, an American version of www dot what the fuck dot com. And there's a German version of www.whatthefuck.com But there is no Chinese version of www. Suck it to me. <laughs> Sean's manning the uh, <laughs> the board today. We're uh, all we're all out of our comfort zone on this episode. But yeah. you know what? We're, we're we're gonna fucking do this for 20 years, so we gotta mix it up sometimes. Yeah, yeah we we just passed our five year plan. <laughs> yeah, and we have it all. If you're wondering why we sound so uncomfortable, it's because we're trying not to do the accent. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we we did a mistake not recording this episode with Yogi here. (laughs) My wife. I think we have exactly one one 
uh, drop of Jack Ma himself. Be paranoid. <laughs> you know, I was watching Cloud Atlas. Last that was night. one. That's one of his business advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Agent Smith actor, mm-hmm. he's in. Uh, he, he's in. Uh, he's got his eyes taped back so that he looks <laughs> Korean. <And> so he's <laughs> like Agent Smith's son. <laughs> the Wachowskis are weeping. canceled. Yeah. Hey, Dennis Leary, what do you think about Cloud Atlas? www.whatthefuck.com <laughs> So he, he types into his computer uh, beer, and he's like, okay, there's American beer, there's German beer, but there's he no gets, Chinese beer. He gets all results for Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> so then he types in www.whatthefuck.com because he up. realizes that there is no China on the internet. Mm-hmm. And... A little, a little light bulb goes off in his head, and he runs back to China, and basically he he, t- he goes into an IRC chat room and types in ASL. Yeah, he types in ASL. Uh, it's like great news, my fellow communists. I know how to connect with hot teens near me. So he realizes that there's a, a big untapped potential, and this is around 1995. Yeah, and. So there's he, only five people with the internet. Yeah, they're each assigned numbers one through five. Yeah, so he's applying to be number six. Yeah, and he uh, did you know that Yahoo started out as just a list of web pages that they were aware of, hmm. and it was like a hundred. Anyway, so he he started this page called ChinaPages.com and charged people. It started out as a list of Chinese dissidents that they were aware of. Yeah. <laughs> And he, he charged people to like put their names on it. This was like his second. So hope kind right. of uh, falls by the wayside. So now he opens his first website. China pages. China pages. Yeah, and suppo- every, yeah. everyone thinks it's a scam because no one knows what the internet is in China. Right. Yeah. And um, they think it's well. And so and, and this is just something that it's curious to me. I don't know what you found, Andy, but essentially like just the question of where he got his startup capital, because we mentioned he went to university. He studies English. He's English teaching for a bit. Um, and. It should be noted, uh, I think we might have mentioned it earlier, but he supposedly becomes a member of the Communist Party while he's in university in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. But but essentially just the question of, like, where does his startup capital? Because that story he tells about essentially escaping from being trafficked and then winning $600 at Blackjack, yeah. I mean, that's incredibly implausible. <laughs> yeah. It was claimed that he had, like, $4,000 in savings. That mm-hmm. Where he got that from being an English teacher in China... Um, I don't know. Like he had his epiphany when he was, he said he had an epiphany as an English teacher where the Dean Dean came up to him to talk to him and the Dean was riding a scooter and he realized like, Oh, even if I work my whole life to become Dean of this, that's Mm. the best I can have is a scooter. (laughs) Uh, But somehow he can afford to fly all the way uh, to the United States and get trafficked and then buy his way out of that story. Yeah. What if he like, saw he saw the dean eating a cliff bar and he's like, that's the best I can do. <laughs> it, it does make perfect sense that like Forbes magazine and the others are in love with this guy though, because this yeah. is entirely what you hear from, you know, Bezos or Buffett or or whoever. It's like you know, or just like if you if you want to follow the alpha leaders account on Instagram, it's just about like uh, you can make this much if you put it in a savings account, but you can make this much if you start your own business. You know, so it's just yeah. the usual kind of entrepreneur. Gavin McInnes venerate the entrepreneur uh, ideology. My working theory is he got out of Vegas by sucking some good dick. Yeah, I mean, that's like something that wouldn't shock me, and maybe he just doesn't want to talk about it. And, and again, that's totally speculative, but it's like, okay, so... No, I, we are stating on yes. the record yes. that the richest man in China escaped Las Vegas, 
By sucking a bunch of dick. Wow, the, the Grubstakers podcast got free tickets to Beijing. <laughs> we get to we get to tour the labor camps? That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, okay. Our social credits are tanking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's like, like 200. I started at 400. Yeah. But you know, it's like, okay, so you escape from being trafficked, and then the first thing you do instead of going to the police is uh, you walk into a fucking uh, casino with money that you somehow have, I guess. Maybe he you, had like a quarter, and he you turned it into $600. Six, $600. Because you know which, how, how slot machines are notorious for uh, making people lots of money quickly. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, so we don't really know where his startup capital comes from. According to like something I saw in The Guardian, he said that uh, himself and his wife uh, uh, borrowed like 2000 US dollars to set up the company. For China Pages. Yeah, for China Pages. And, and again, this is 1995. He sets up... Um, he sets up China Pages. It's, it's relatively low overhead. And a lot of the labor that he got was uh, because he was teaching English at a technical school, mm-hmm. he basically just recruited his students to help him make this website right because like we said he never wrote a line of code so he essentially went to seattle saw the internet went back home and said okay you set up the internet yeah <laughs> and it was just <laughs> a list at of, somebody it was just a list of local businesses but it actually got a bunch of people to the uh Hangzhou international hotel yeah uh because it was the only hotel in china that um people from like a un delegation could find on the internet yeah. oh. uh, did he do he do english translation for this he yeah it, I I think that the the website might have even been in English I don't know like the early internet had a lot of um it it was using like ASCII um characters and English characters and actually early on in Alibaba uh one of the alternate names for the website alibaba.com was uh, 1688.com uh which is very close to 1488.com uh, my theory is that it's uh, 14 words followed by just kidding followed by Heil Hitler uh, <laughs> on 1688 uh, the word Jews is just replaced by the word sparrows is, was he a fan <laughs> of the glorious revolution or 1688 what, what's going on here uh, was that with Chinese revolution no oh that was English oh the domain 1488 <laughs> was already taken yeah <laughs> Uh, it had to do with the fact that it was easy. It, it translated well for like Chinese characters. Like it was easy to remember and it represented something to do. Okay. And with there's only, f- there's only five websites at that time. So. And there was only five websites, but we're, we're skipping ahead. So that was Ali, Alibaba. But um, so China pages, uh, eventually it does relatively well as the internet, as um, up to six whole people in China are able to access the internet. And, uh, interestingly, as the internet came to China, like initially they were very suspicious of it because it was developed by the American Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the actually the Great Chinese Firewall was developed uh, concurrently with the internet. Mm. Um, so by the time China pages start to take off, um, which I guess was when a total of like eight people in China had access to the internet mm-hmm. and it was only half the internet already. <laughs> Seven of them yeah. were government employees spying on the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, eventually he joined up with another company and they essentially bought him out or they, they bought all their, uh, he joined up with another company and then he, well, 
got a minority shareholding vote in the board. Yeah, so as I understand it, this is from incinc.com. Um, basically, it's called China Telecom, was like a state-run company. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is, essentially, according to this, if he competes with China Telecom for a year, which is some state-run company maybe running the official Chinese Yellow Pages, and then um, according to uh, inc.com, uh, China Telecom offers to invest 185000 U.S. dollars to do a joint venture, and, you know, this is around 96, uh, 97. And basically, he takes it, but then they get all the board seats, so he can't do anything. But this is significant because the Chinese state dumps 185000 U.S. dollars into his pocket for setting up this kind of crummy website. Right, so right. he has capital now. Yeah, and so he's got he's got some money, but he, he doesn't... Um, he, he gets discouraged because he doesn't have any power in the company. So he leaves that company... And he goes to work for the Chinese government. It's extremely rare for a businessman in China to have any connection to the government whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, while he's here, he's kind of he's still disappointed because the inter- You know, this is the mid '90s. The internet is just taking off all around him, and he be- he as he tells it later, he's he's disappointed because. You know, he he felt like he was on the ground floor of the Internet and now a bunch of people are getting rich and he's just working for the government. So the Americans are doing so many pump and dump scams right now. Why can't I be in on that? (laughs) So he he gets his big break in about 98 uh, when what happens is uh, one of the founders of Yahoo uh, came to China to uh, talk with... uh, you know, various government officials for to discuss Yahoo expanding into China. Was this a Jerry Yang? I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. And so Jack Ma offered to show around the Yahoo guy because, um, you know, he had such good um, English, or, you know, relatively speaking, and he is such like a um, charismatic extrovert that he just kind of jumped at the opportunity to show the head of Yahoo around basically the Great Wall of China. And while they were there, uh, the details are kind of murky, but they, he basically worked out a deal with the guy. With the Jerry guy Yang Yahoo. locked him in a hotel room. <laughs> and he had to Whatever. escape. I'm going to leave for two the, hours. Whatever the, happens in here happens. He went to the blackjack table in Macau, and then <laughs> this is how he was able to get the money for Alibaba. And uh, Jack Ma's life is a series of being trafficked <laughs> and escaping. <laughs> but I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, he, um, uh, so after uh, winning $5 billion at this uh, slot machines, uh-huh. he, he hatched a plan basically with the Yahoo people to start his own company. Um, and he, so he got a bunch of people from his department and then lied to the uh, Chinese government saying he was sick uh, so he could just go home to Hangzhou province and then using some murky startup capital, some of it uh, potentially from uh, Yahoo, he enlists a bunch of... I I do just want to say, this is one of the few stories that involves the words lies to the Chinese government and then has a happy ending. Yeah. But so it's uh, 1999 is when he founds Alibaba. So you're saying he takes the sick days from uh, his Chinese state government uh, company that he works at and he pilfers some employees and they start this thing? Yeah. And I guess guess in China, lying and saying you're sick 
Mm-hmm. Or if you say you're sick in China, it means like, oh, okay, you're you're probably going to die soon. <laughs> so he he goes home. He starts this company with a bunch of employees, pays them uh, basically nothing. He uh, the earliest hires earned about less or just about $50 a month, and they were expected to Listen, work. Listen, man, he's probably one of the smartest human beings <laughs> on the planet Earth. That guy's, you know that they think he might have invented Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> they had to uh, work seven days a week, up to 16 hours, and they were required to find a, a place within 10 minutes from uh, basically the apartment that they started in. I love having the support of real billionaires. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that they wouldn't waste time commuting. And he just shoveled them propaganda the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, so this is like his founding myth is that in, in his apartment in Hangzhou, uh, just a few people, they took a bunch of startup capital and started making Alibaba. Well, well, it's a, it's an interesting thing where, again, from this documentary, Crocodile in the uh, Yangtze, uh, he, there's, there's video of one of these early Alibaba meetings in the apartment, and uh, it's in uh, Mandarin, so I'm not going to play it, but you can watch it. Essentially, he's like giving this speech to them about how we want to be a global company. We want to compete with Silicon Valley. If you want to compete with Silicon Valley, you have to work like them. You can't just work 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. We have to work much longer than that. And, you know, again, it's like... Uh, you know, people love this fucking 16-hour-day grind shit, but of course what's unsaid is that the vast majority of the money is going into Jack Ma's pocket while you're working, what, you said 16-hour days for $50 a month. And what yeah. is even the, the ownership structure at this point? Uh, the ownership structure it was uh, he owned a, a fair amount of it, but he also he did give stock options to his employees at the time. And when he eventually started... Uh, uh, he got Goldman involved and had them invest in it. They were actually kind of shocked that he had given so much of the company away to his employees at the time. So, I mean, he's not necessarily the worst in that regard. Um, and at the time, the early company was essentially a business-to-business transaction company. And he gradually expanded that into um, a larger company that was uh, for e-commerce, that, that kind of branched into larger e-commerce for more like consumer level uh, exchanges, but uh, his his philosophy when he started it was he he likes to describe himself as being like Forrest Gump. Uh, it's his favorite movie, and he says his reason is because everyone thinks Forrest Gump is stupid, but really he knows what's going on. Um, even though some people would argue that Forrest Gump is a satire of like 20th century America, like a very fierce satire of 20th century America that like. <laughs> Being dumb and following all the rules is how you yeah. succeed in America. The The beginning of Alibaba was a confusing time, but if yeah. you just do it, you're told and shut up. Yeah. You'll, you'll benefit. <laughs> just like how the 60s was a confusing time. Yeah. And you just yeah. need to follow the rules. Yeah. And soon Weird Al will do a song uh, that's a parody of a president's song about you. And so his idea was he, instead of focusing on getting major companies involved, he was going to focus on the shrimp like Forrest Gump. And so he got smaller companies to uh, use his platform to exchange with other small companies. And eventually he extended this into smaller companies um, exchanging with individual consumers. And that's how he kind of arrived at the idea that um, eBay arrived at as well. Um, he basically invented the Chinese eBay where people could just buy directly from consumers. And the big appeal of Alibaba was that uh, everything, both for the businesses and the consumers, was free. And then the uh, larger 
um, the, the way that they would make money is then they would sell advertisements uh, to companies that wanted to raise their profile on Alibaba. Life is, life is like a box of uh, pet food that has arsenic and heavy metals in it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like kind of what's unsaid about his rise and, and facilitating business-to-business sales in China through the web is uh, the uh, horrific labor practices in China, where it's like if you are uh, selling things from one suicide net factory to another suicide net factory and then taking a percentage on it, it's like, okay, congratulations. But, you know, just like the veneration. Oh, but he's not taking a percentage on it. He's selling advertising. I see. So the, but I but thought from like, the suicide net factory. Yes. And that's where he gets his money. Right, like... Yeah, I, I think it was like, according to the document, around 2001 or 2002 is when they finally start. Um, oh, 2001, they launched the paid service. But until then, it's actually just free, and they're just trying to spread on, um, you know, uh, notoriety, word of uh, mouth, yeah. and grow their market share. But, uh, yeah, and you mentioned Goldman Sachs, also SoftBank, a Japanese company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Goldman puts in like $5 million, SoftBank puts in $20 million. So between 99 and 2000, he has about $25 million, just all of this kind of capital coming in. So he's, he's in a good position. Yeah, he's in a relatively good position. And then uh, around that time, eBay tried to edge in and push him out. And he essentially the the big success of alibaba was keeping ebay out of china Mm -hmm. Uh, part of it was because of ebay's own uh arrogance and dysfunction Mm -hmm. Uh, essentially they thought that they could just like kind of walk into china and take over the market and then um alibaba just kind of subverted them like the ebay was apparently a very inflexible company like they were kind of running on autopilot at that point and they really everything was so like uh, corporatized going through all these different levels that, it, you know, it, it, it was said at the time that it would take them like a year to change one word on the front page. Hmm. And so they were, the, as the story goes, eBay was so inflexible, they died in China and Alibaba came out reigning supreme, uh, having a functional monopoly. Uh, from that point on, Alibaba built what is known as the Iron Triangle. Yeah, eBay was unsuccessful at getting the British Army to intervene in this conflict. <laughs> <laughs> So unfortunately, they were defeated. <laughs> their their attempts to sell opium <laughs> over the internet <laughs> did not succeed this time. The eBay Boxer Rebellion was yeah. unfortunately. It took them too long to. Uh, they lost the bid on the gunships, mm-hmm. and so Alibaba developed its Iron Triangle, which is essentially they have uh, e-commerce, which is their main thing, and then they have logistics, which is they uh, have a way of organizing delivery because China doesn't have a very reliable um, postal service like the United States does. So they have to essentially work with delivery companies um, to get items actually delivered. And then they also built a finance arm where they have what's called Alipay, which is essentially Chinese uh, PayPal. Mm. And it's great for uh, giving the government the money of the bullet used to execute you. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, Alipay had, uh, they had some weird falling out with Yahoo, who was a, a major investor and owner of Alibaba early on. Right, yeah. So in 2005, it's very significant. Yahoo buys a billion dollars or pays a billion dollars for a 40% stake. Yes. Um, and this is like their first, you know, giant capital infusion. And this is significant because this is like right in the heat of their competition with eBay. Yeah. And they actually, and they also, um, I forgot to mention, they managed to survive the dot-com bust. Right. Uh, basically because they hadn't spent all their capital at once. 
And so Jack Ma was very happy at the bust because he was like, yeah, you know, everyone, they're out of money, but like we were given 25 million and we've only spent seven. And so then he just went around America doing kind of a victory lap, getting a bunch of investors and stuff. Um, There's an interesting thing in the documentary that's like around this time, but it's like one of the dumber things he does is he briefly moves operations to Silicon Valley, like because he has all this international staff. So he sets up offices in Silicon Valley as well as China. And then it's just really dumb because the two offices are like much less able to communicate. And then he has to reverse and do a bunch of layoffs. I mean, it was like, you know, just kind of like one of those uh, uh, self-inflicted injuries, you want to call it. Like what? Because he has all these millions in, in startup capital. That's because he uh, departed from the theories of Karl Marx. And it makes it kind of makes sense that he would do that because his ideology is just so close right. to that of right. He's Steve Jobs yeah, yeah, and yeah. Silicon Valley, Valley founders and investors. He set up offices in Las Vegas because he wanted revenge. <laughs> <laughs> but he's constant. I mean, you know, you you said he started. He started out his company with the idea you had to work 16 hours, just like Silicon Valley um, coders. Yeah. In yeah. order for them to make it like, you know, you guys have to forego wages, basically. Yeah. Off the dream of becoming millionaires off your stock options. Yeah. And just took, like, yeah, fully. And, like, his employees yeah. made 50 a month. And he also, he also <laughs> bragged about how much cheaper his employees were than they were in Silicon Valley. <laughs> of course. And so, um, and this just makes the Western press love him more oh, because yeah. he's considered yeah, smart. Yeah, he's a visionary. Yeah, exactly. When you know, ninety percent of it is being in the right place at the right time. Yes. Like he was, he was in and China. Having the connections with the Chinese government. And which, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, like, yeah, you can't if you're going to have like uh, a company that connects different businesses. You have to have a way of interacting with those businesses or reaching out to them and convincing them mm-hmm. to use your service. And so, it helps to have connections with the government. But so it was a uh, Taobao was the consumer to consumer. Yes. One. And yes, that's the one that competes directly with eBay. And that's uh, the one that competes directly with eBay. Taobao is uh, Chinese for treasure hunt. Mm. Um, and Taobao becomes massively successful, partially because they have their own pay platform. And par- part of the problem at the time in China for e-commerce was that uh, there was no reliable uh, credit card usage, partially because of Chinese financial restrictions. Mm. And so they had to create their own um, pay service, which ended up being wildly successful. And then was also called Alipay, mm-hmm. uh, which was also a source of some of their split with Yahoo later on when without telling Yahoo, Jack Ma spun Alipay off into his own company um, that he owned. And, uh, his claim was that it was because of Chinese regulations over companies that um, handle financial transactions. But the reality was he took a company that was worth billions of dollars and just pulled it out of um, the Alibaba group, which Yahoo had a stake in, and mm-hmm. put it in his own private company Owned. without telling Yahoo at all. Owned. And at that point, Yahoo, this was in, um, I think it was around 2010 or something. And at that point, Yahoo was, you know, sunsetting Mm -hmm. and so there wasn't much of anything they could do and so he would do these like press tours where people would ask like so uh are you gonna try to buy uh yahoo out of alibaba and he's like yeah you know i want to buy all of yahoo (laughs) just like 
throwing a big dick on the table mm-hmm. and eventually he bought uh he did buy yahoo out of alibaba but he never actually bought yahoo mm. um but at that point he he eventually he, he basically cemented himself as uh this monopolist for the most powerful company in china mm. and so there is like one uh drop i wanted to play yeah uh, yeah go for it um all right this is this is just from uh this is from around the time uh that Yahoo makes the um the forty percent one billion dollar investment in two thousand five. This is significant because Jerry Yang had a lot of controversy as the CEO of Yahoo because Yahoo had turned over the information about a Chinese journalist to Chinese officials and then uh, this journalist was arrested. And this is a CNN interview with uh, Jack Ma from around this time. Recently, Yahoo um, gave information to the government that led to a detention of a Chinese journalist named Shi Tao. If you were running Yahoo China at the time, would you have done the same thing? Yes, I will. Why? Whenever you do business, you have to follow the local rules and laws. Either you can change the law. If you cannot change the law, follow the law. So it's the law in China. You have to follow it. Whenever you do business, this is the basic principles. So whatever you do, just follow the law. <laughs> you know, if they may, if they, uh, histo- they may want you to harass... Uh, black people sitting at a uh, a counter in a segregated establishment. You, you just got to respect that. The law of China is the law of China. Uh, a historically um, flawless philosophy, as oh, yeah. we have seen demonstrated in the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> yeah. As uh, Adolf Eichmann <laughs> <laughs> attempted <laughs> in uh, his reformulation of Kant's <laughs> uh, categorical imperative that... Uh, the golden rule is to follow the law as it was given by the Fuhrer. Damn, Adolf Eichmann just missed out on uh, being able to be a billionaire um, train <laughs> schedules entrepreneur. <laughs> if the government wants you to develop a credit score that goes beyond normal credit scores mm-hmm. yes, and so makes it so you can't fly on planes or leave the country, that's, so, you have, yes. that's a local custom. Okay, yeah. You can't so, argue with that. So uh, one of the aspects of... Uh, um, Alibaba is uh, Sesame Credit, mm-hmm. uh, the social credit system. And um, as I said, we mentioned this in an earlier uh, episode on Google on surveillance capitalism. But basically, it's it's a credit scoring system where instead of just taking your financial transactions, uh, Alibaba uh, and Sesame Credit has access to the Chinese database of everybody's uh, social media interactions because the Chinese government. Uh, claims a right to all data regarding uh, everyone's messaging, everyone's, um, you know, their social media, every aspect of their personal lives. Mm -hmm. And so that gets folded into people's credit scores. Yeah, that's so fucked up. In America, we we know better and we only allow Google to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so essentially what (laughs) what ends up happening is like... um, We're civilized here and it'll only affect your ability to have shelter. Yes. Yeah. Here in the United States, we just uh, a car, you know. We would never enter such an Orwellian dystopia. We would (laughs) we would turn it over to private corporations, Mark Zuckerberg and Larry Page. One aspect of of this is that, like, instead of just having your credit score based on your record of paying for things, Mm -hmm. uh, because it goes through social media as well, your credit score is affected by your friends' ability to pay for things. So, it, it it. 
imagine having like you know you, we all have a dipshit friend on Facebook. I'm right here. And now imagine <laughs> if being friends with Sean McCarthy now makes it so you can't get a home loan. I was gonna That's say. <laughs> It'll be sad the day, Andy, where I have to apologize to you for that uh, <laughs> rant about feminism I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry you couldn't get a mortgage, Andy. <laughs> current government, that would help. Huh? It's oh, the, yes. The, yeah, that would yeah. that would improve your score. Yes. If we had yeah. Here. yeah. So, so he has uh, that venture. Another aspect. Of so this is curious to me. It's just like. So essentially, the government pays him a contract to to create social credit scores for the citizens. Or it, no, it's no. It's interesting to me that the social credit score, which I think a lot of people f- are familiar with, is privatized. Essentially, it's like Equifax. We it were is, saying yeah. Earlier. Well, it actually it it was created essentially by market forces. Like one one of the uh, issues that was that was brought up in surveillance capitalism is that the Chinese government is actually fairly nervous about the social credit system because it's a private company mm. having a lot of power uh, that the government does not. And actually, when the government first started its uh, neoliberal kind of reformation, they were worried about uh, the power that capitalists would have over the country. And so they tried to very gradually introduce the reforms mm-hmm. uh, in such a way that they wouldn't have the power of capital. For instance, like early on in the reforms, they had only outside investors uh, could invest in China. And that's why, pro- that's why, you know, a lot of um, the earlier Chinese companies were owned by um, different foreign companies. But uh, eventually, because they discovered that in order to kind of build their power base, they had to expand and uh, have some domestic uh, capitalists. Eventually, you get people like Jack Ma who have uh, more, on an individual basis, Jack Ma probably has more power than any individual in the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. And I would include like Xi Jinping from that. Like he's he's still limited by, you know, party restrictions. But Jack Ma has, I'd say, more personal freedom um, than even, even Xi well, but Jack Ma essentially knows where his bread is buttered. Like, I think he's, uh, like, w- another thing that happens is that around 2016, Jack Ma gives a speech that was reported on in the Western press, but essentially he says, like, the Chinese government should use big data to fight crime, and he approvingly cites, like, the movie Minority Report and this kind of shit. And it's oh, just, yeah. like, something where it's, like, clearly he's, like, speaking to the Chinese government and working with them on this, because, like, now we have this, again, dystopian social credit score, and we have the Uyghur camps, where you have, like, a million people who've been kidnapped, and they're in forced labor camps, where they're, like, made to eat pork and uh, do uh, manufacturing for export. So it's just something where um, when Jack Ma is saying, you know, let's use big data to fight crime, I mean, he's very clearly echoing the governmental line. So it's it's not clear where Jack Ma ends and where the Chinese government begins. There's right. a lot of overlap. It even, uh, I also read that the social credit score factors in like municipal infractions, mm. like it's really petty stuff. Like smoking. Uh, like and, uh, smoking, smoking or graffiti. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um reading marks <laughs> reading Carl beyond marks the five the ori- approved reading the original slogans. german yeah over the grundrisse yeah you know very petty things that um and he'll actually post your picture on like 
local like uh if you run a red light uh-huh. it will take a picture of your car and identify that it was you mm-hmm. and then it will post your picture and shame you basically as well as take away from your score but you know it's leftism because the Chinese state has uh, merged with the vampire castle <laughs> and has <Yeah. laughs> Marxist-Leninist Maoist call-out culture. Well, in their five-year plan, their last five-year plan, sorry, two ago, two mm-hmm. of them ago, uh, so they want to develop capitalism with Chinese features mm. or yes. not Marxist-Leninist features. And uh, if you if you get quote tre- tweeted with clap emojis <laughs> you can no longer buy a car <laughs> well yes yeah, so they lost power so one of the interesting um clashes that jack had with the chinese government recently was uh, one of the big problems on alibaba is a lot of uh counterfeit goods are for sale on there for instance um there you can buy a lot of products from goosey mm. uh not gucci goosey and uh, then you'll order it and be like, wait a second, this isn't an authentic blackface turtleneck. <laughs> and so the Chinese government issued a statement, uh, basically a report saying like, "There's, we're going to start cracking down. This, this on- fucking Nazi uniform is made by Hugo Noss. <laughs> God damn it. I should have known when it was a Hindu swastika. <laughs> Lefty so- Lucy, righty. So when they started cracking down, basically the, the uh, Jack Ma posted blog statements attacking the government officials saying like, while I respect your godlike power <laughs> to crack down on me like this, I wish that there were more transparency in how you made this decision. And that was quick, quickly like deleted, but he didn't face any real repercussions for that and eventually he came to uh, an agreement with the chinese government but like any anyone who say isn't a billionaire who made that statement oh yeah would be dead hmm. very quickly and so it, essentially like even though they the chinese government tried to you know work with foreign um investors to try to keep power outside of china uh, it backfired because eventually if you want to, to build up a capitalist system in your country, you have to have domestic capitalists. Well, I and think it's an interesting discussion because like I read this New York Times article. And so basically, as far as the future for Jack Ma goes, he's said that he will resign as the executive chairman of Alibaba as of September 2019. Mm-hmm. So this is supposedly going to be his last year running the thing. He wants to like focus on quote unquote philanthropy more. But he'll still be involved. But some speculation is that because Xi Jinping thought is bringing Chinese business more and more into kind of obedience with the government, Mm -hmm. that maybe he's like trying to get out, you know, because like another thing that that we'll mention here is Alibaba in 2017 buys the South China Morning Post, which is a Hong Kong newspaper that's like a pro-Beijing propaganda rag. And interestingly enough, like they... uh, they made this big investment in like you know uh expanding and it even though it is uh, they've stopped submitting to uh, independent circulation audits so it's very clearly losing money but alibaba is making this big investment into a pro beijing propaganda rag which it's like well very clearly they're doing this to influence the government make sure that they are taken care of and you know th- these sorts of things so yeah yeah maybe he wants to step away from that we don't really know well, why he's be. leaving or like the 
the fact that they're buying that to influence to the government means that he's trying to consolidate his power over the government. Right, right, yes. Uh, in that sense. Uh, Alibaba also, they made a ton of money um, from China's switch, essentially around 2008 when the uh, economy exploded. Uh, China is widely attributed as having saved the world mm -hmm. in that sense because they did just a massive Keynesian investment uh, system and in the process, they kind of transformed China into a more consumer society, mm. which is part of what made Alibaba blow up. Uh, Steven, you can probably, you're making faces, so I... Um, you said the um, word well, Keynesian, and he got very angry. Oh, boy. <laughs> instantly got a semi. <laughs> uh, well, lately, in 2017, there was like, uh, they held a really, really big conference on a proposal China made to 65 countries called the Belt and Road Initiative. Mm -hmm. And what it would entail is doing basically the Silk Road 2.0, where they use massive infrastructure investment to create like a better, better, more reliable uh, logistics framework for all of like Asia. Mm -hmm. Yeah going in like entering into russia and also europe it's it's not to be confused with the belts and zippers initiative which is where they'll dress every citizen up like a jrpg character <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, well that's that's Shit. a separate initiative to make a jrpg where you can when you're in character creation you can set the face down as small as jack moss <laughs> on his on his head oh yeah yeah he's he's called et uh in China because of his busted ass face. Yeah, someone took the yeah. slider for face size and just put it all the way to the right. Yeah. <laughs> Jack yeah, it's as Ma small as it goes. Jack Ma looks like one of those enemies you'd kill while you're leveling up to 10. <laughs> like <laughs> one of those small little kill critters Jack Ma's. <laughs> that you like you have to grind before you face the first or second <laughs> boss. <laughs> but like the this initiative which would amount to about 8 trillion dollars mm -hmm. some estimates uh, over a, a decade as you have a more efficient infrastructure, um, it uh, once again lowers their costs of like having all of their contractors, yeah, efficiently delivering all this all this stuff. And they're massively successful in uh, Russia, as it turns out, because Russia is also transforming into a more consumerist society. And so AliExpress, a shoot off of Taobao, uh, is has become uh, the number one, I believe, the number one seller in Russia right now. Mm. Like a lot, a lot of people, like I've I read a I read a piece by a historian who calls like this this um, geopolitical pivot by China, the this uh, this trillions of dollars investment is really just to lay the foundations for like a gradual shift away from U.S. based logistics for trade, mm -hmm. world trade, to be centered on them instead. Ah, oh, Marxism, Milton Friedmanism. Do you know? Do you know the most uh, significant national assets the Russian government has? Bernie Sanders. Yes, his <laughs> <laughs> three houses. That's well, the linchpin of worth all of seventeen trillion dollars. Let me let me the tell you about a, of all of this is Bernie winning. Yeah, let me tell you about a little Twitter user called Mister Weeks. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's. He's taken he's taken down Bernie Sanders and you know he's right because he'll tell you that he's a sexual assault survivor. Oh. Which gives him a uh, plus 10 in the uh, social credit score. <laughs> tweet at tweet at Andy at that one if he doesn't edit it out in post. You think your social credit score goes up if you're a survivor? Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you're if your face is small in relation to your head, does your score go up? 
That's a good question. I'm just imagining like eating pork and then my score goes up like it's experience in a persona game or something. Look, all I'm saying is that in New York now there are comedy shows where the comedians are only uh, assault survivors. Oh no. And it only makes sense that if that's how you can get booked, then maybe being a survivor should also boost your social credit score. You know, if you were making bets on which one of us is going to get this podcast canceled, <laughs> I'm probably the safe bet, but Andy's the dark horse. Experian, if you're listening, you're sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, and it should just be mentioned, uh, according to the National Public Credit Information Center, and this is just going back to the the, um, the social credit score, uh, Chinese courts banned uh, would-be travelers from buying 17.5 million flights or flying 17.5 million times they were banned from doing so in uh by the end of 2018 um uh and they were also prevented people were prevented from buying uh 5.5 million train tickets and that's from the guardian and of course it can also ban you from buying insurance real estate or other investment products uh being on the board of a corporation etc so what about it, real dolls you <laughs> <laughs> still buy them <laughs> Well, what's what's unsaid there is that 90% of them had problematic takes about Marvel. <laughs> they said representation does not matter. And Captain Marvel has always had a penis. If you speak out against Ip Man 2, the movie, <laughs> is that also going to lower your score? Uh, I don't know what that is, but yes. Yes, it will. There was something Andy found. Maybe we'll put it at the end. It's uh, Kevin Spacey as uh, Frank Underwood in House of Cards doing an ad for Alibaba. <laughs> and whoever cast uh, Kevin Spacey right before he got canceled really saw a massive dip in their social credit score. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so House of Cards is actually uh, very popular in China. So he does this ad. And uh, it there's a Chinese holiday called Singles Day, which is like it celebrates being single, but a lot of people will get married on it. But it's also a major shopping day in China. Yes, yeah, it's, so, it's uh, November 11th. Yes. Uh, thus, Singles Veterans yes. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Veterans Day. But, you know, they weren't in the trenches, so they found it. They repurposed it. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you called... Know, I went to a tough school. The cat just walked on the keyboard. It's it's called a Singles Day for all those widows created by World War One. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, but so this this it's called Singles Day for <laughs> all the male babies who weren't thrown in the river. Jesus. Uh yeah, so this this Kevin Spacey ad, it's just interesting because it ends uh with um. Oh, like, first of all, it's weird because he keeps uh, insisting that you buy a PS Vita over Alibaba, and <laughs> that he has all the games for it. But it it, it ends with him uh, say, putting his, like, trench coat on and saying, now, if you'll excuse me, I have a train to catch. Which, <laughs> Which I, if, if, the, if the people of China yes. are really fans, big fans of house of cards they're gonna be like this is bullshit he's in the oval office (laughs) and now he's off to kill zoe barnes the killing zoe barnes was on his way to the oval office i like the idea he uh says i have a train to catch and then he checks his phone god damn it my social credit score is not good enough (laughs) scratch that bus bus to catch yeah but yeah, I mean, it is just kind of like an interesting story where, again, he's it's something we we didn't really mention, but it is interesting is 
Uh, he becomes, I think in around 2001 or maybe 2002 at the latest, he becomes uh, the first Chinese entrepreneur to appear on the cover of Forbes magazine since in, in 50 years. And so, um, and that's significant because that actually uh, leads to him getting more and more exposure in the Chinese media. So essentially, like, he was really boosted by the Western media that wanted a certain um, uh, kind of ideology to spread throughout China, like that's theoretically markets will come and then democracy will come, but really they don't really give a shit about democracy. It's more about markets and entrepreneurs and billionaires. What's funny but- is that like apparently there's a um, statement released by the Chinese government uh, relatively recently where they're like, by 2050, we plan to have a uh, fully socialist government mm. with democracy. We're not going to do any of that now. <laughs> but 2050, we think we'll finally be ready for it. You know, in their latest five-year plan, they in the like in the overall like their goal for their economic policy, one of the items is like uh, achieve modest economic well-being <laughs> for for across society. They don't have any sort of they like they they limit it. You know, it's weird. <laughs> they're, like, they're, they sort they're of realize, uh, yeah. They, no, no. They, it's it's kind of like being really honest. I think. Oh yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> like they're like, you know what? I mean, we're still kind of shitty, but we'll be sort of middle of the road on our way to socialism. But it is just like it is interesting how he has become like a de facto spokesperson for China and the Chinese government as well. But he's like so in demand, particularly with the Western business press. He goes to Davos and speaks with Charlie Rose before <laughs> Charlie Rose got canceled. Um, oh, you uh, know, what was uh, another fun. This isn't someone who was canceled, but yeah. uh, oh. In the in the book I listened to, the house that or Alibaba, the house that Jack built, yeah. it just you know, uh, another bootlicking book, but it kind of gave me a wider uh, outlook on him. But one that, of the, the house that Jack book by by writing zero lines of code yeah. and selling zero <laughs> products. The the house that uh, Jack had ideas for. Yes, uh, he's an ideas man. He at one of his uh, big events, he had Leonardo DiCaprio there, mm. and just between that and Joe Lowe. <laughs> it's it's so clear that Leonardo DiCaprio's like later career he's like you know where the money is now Asia and he's just like courting all these Asian billionaires to try to get it like just to get his foot in the door on future movie deals yeah but I mean it is just interesting to me like the 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 ubiquitousness of Jack Ma's presence in the Western media where it's like again this kind of like fuels his rise in China but it's also like this is what they want to present to the world. So we played that clip earlier about him saying like essentially he would turn over dissidents to the Chinese government because that's the law, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he's going to step down this year from Alibaba makes me think, I don't quite know. He says he wants to do philanthropy, but I think he might be worried about like particularly with this Uyghur camps. I tried to like look. I couldn't find him being asked about it. But I think be paranoid. <laughs> I think he's maybe worried about some of the actions of the Chinese government uh, getting dirt on his shoes, and maybe he wants to step away from that. I don't know. That's my speculation. But it is just kind of interesting where he's got his money. He's a very powerful person, and I'm not sure how much he wants to be involved with the Chinese government, which is very much hand-in-hand uh, hand with the Chinese business community. Well, he about the government, he, in, in that Charlie Rose interview, he gets, says, like, be in love with them, but don't marry them. Mm. So be single. Singles Day. <laughs> Buy everything on Singles Day. Apparently uh, another uh, Chinese capitalist made a statement where it's like, to the government, 
you're kind of like a cockroach. Whenever they want to, they can just step on you. Mm. Though I'd, I'd elaborate on that and say like in modern day China, like if you're a capitalist, maybe you're like a cockroach, but in the sense that once there are enough of you, they can't get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> You just have to fumigate the entire house that you were <laughs> yeah. the idea man for building. Turns out the capitalists were the sparrows all along. <laughs> Great leap forward, too. All right. Well, if yeah. you guys have any uh, closing thoughts. No, we'll follow up. I mean, like another interesting thing I found is uh, Richard Liu is a uh, Jack Ma's main competitor in China is a billionaire and uh, likely serial rapist. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Jack Ma's a, a bit of a, a shady character, but I, I'm sure like probably not that bad. So, yeah, he's one of the more benign people. But, right. Uh, any any word on on how uh, Mr. Liu's credit score has been affected? <laughs> But it is just something where it's like, again, this guy's held up as like a role model uh, and he's so important in the ideology of, you know, billionaires yeah. and Western capitalism. But it's like, how did he get there? He exploited people for $50 a month. And how did he maintain his position? Well, he went hand in hand with a government that's imprisoning a million Uyghurs and uh, using the social credit score that he writes and makes money off of to, monopoly. To, to fucking round people up and uh, punish dissidents. And, uh, and then, of course, that he's like still really going in on this by buying up propaganda rags like the uh, uh, South China Morning Post and then taking a loss just to influence the government by running propaganda for them. So it's like, you know, mm. Jack Ma is, uh, by any standards, not a good person because, uh, you know, he says you have to follow the law, but we have very clearly learned that that defense won't save you in the grand scheme of things. So we'll see what he does in the future, but everything he's done in his life up to this point has made life worse for people, not better. Wow, I'm uh, going to dock some points on your social credit <laughs> score. <laughs> the uh, law is the law. Yeah, when... um, If you see a, a really fucked up uh, knockoff Gucci bag, that will be me <laughs> having made it in a... Uh, <laughs> in an internment camp that is later sold on a... Uh, fucking uh tai bao <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. right well thank you all for listening and uh we'll see you next week yeah we'll be back yogi will be back they, they released yogi from custody so <laughs> 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 he'll be back next week i found out he was the least problematic one yeah <laughs> all right bye-bye all right bye good evening to the great people of china I am the 45th President of the United States, Frank J. Underwood. And tonight, I wanted to take a moment to say hello to all of you out there to wish you a happy Singles Day. If this Singles Day is the excuse you've been waiting for to spoil yourself with a little online shopping, then I must say I'm more than a little jealous. Here at the White House, there's so many firewalls blocking me from shopping online that not even the President will be able to take advantage of those amazing deals you'll see online during this holiday. In the words of your fellow countryman Jack Ma, today is hard, tomorrow will be worse, but the day after tomorrow will be sunshine. And if I were allowed to shop on your singles day, I wonder how cheap I could get a new burner phone, for example, because one burner is never really enough, is it? I'd order ten if I were you.
I'm sure there will be loads of deals on candy, too. Check Tmall, and maybe you can find yourself a few packs of presidential M&Ms. And while you're at it, why not see if they're selling a replica of my class ring from the Sentinel? Or this presidential desk? But you know what you really need to enjoy Singles Day? It's to be dressed up in your favorite costume. Now this may not be your tradition, but whenever I go shopping, I have to dress up so I'm not recognized. And this is one of my favorites. All you need is a pair of glasses like these. Oh, and a trench coat, sort of like this one. So I wanted to wish you all a happy Singles Day. Oh, and if you're lucky, you might win that trip to the United States, and if you do, please stop by the White House for a visit. Oh, I almost forgot my hat. If you'll excuse me, I have a train.